Hello, everyone, and welcome to One Control Port Podcast, episode 287. My name is Benjamin Yoder, and I'm here today to talk to you about video games, two video games in particular. One's going to be much shorter than the other, I will say. Um, I got a little bit more time into First Soldier this week, so I'm going to talk very briefly about that. And then, uh, as I promised last week, I did go ahead and finish Sonic Frontiers, so I'm going to go ahead and kind of give you my full rundown of that game and give you, you know, my final thoughts on Sonic Frontiers. I thought about doing a video for Frontiers, but I think realistically right now, it's just not something that I'm like super, super um, um, interested in doing at the moment. So I think I'm going to pass on that for now and just settle for the podcast highlight kind of clip thing. Um, And then we have new stories for uh, first... more Final Fantasy shooter stuff. Um, and then also uh, Games for Girls. We have a game for Games for Girls, which is like, I feel like it's been a long time since we've talked about Games for Girls on this podcast. I could be wrong, but I feel like it's been a while. So happy to finally get to chat a little bit about something like that again. So anyways, um, one thing I do want to mention before we get too uh, deep into the podcast, though, is that I mentioned last week that I was like trying to make a little DIY uh, shock mount for my microphone because this Yeti microphone, I'm Unfortunately, doesn't really have, um, uh, at least from what I could find, a good desktop shock mount option. It seems like they always need to be like hanging arms. And I think, and using the other microphone for my my Patreon setup and things like that, I kind of found like microphone arms were covering my face too much, which is why I'm kind of preferring the desktop option for now. Uh, maybe it's just a matter of like moving the desktop arm. But for now, this is what we're going to do. And this little thing that I made is like pretty easy. And it does this job. Like if you're watching the video version, you're, I'm going to poke the microphone real quick. You might hear that on the, uh, the the audio version as well. But if you're watching the video feed here, basically when I wiggle, you know, barely wiggle this thing and it kind of rocks back and forth a ton, which is the intended purpose. So when I go over here and put my hand on this mouth and sc- mouse and scroll up and down with my notes, um, you won't hear nearly as much of it, hopefully. So that is the intention. Last week, I could definitely tell when I was editing. I was like, oh, I can hear my hand putting, hitting the table and, and rolling up and down. So I don't know if it will cut out everything. That's part of this week is seeing how well it works, honestly. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping that that's going to solve our problem here. And it's a little like $10, you know, total stand that I put together. It could have been cheaper if I went and physically got this little plastic thing from Ikea. Um, it was like a, a 99 cent thing, but cause I had to ship it to myself. It was like an extra $6. And then my friend left some hair bands here a while ago. So I used this, this hair bands to, um, to like put it on there. So Anyways, very exciting microphone setup stuff. Always trying to work out more technical stuff, but you know. Yeah, no, I'm not great at hardware stuff. I'm still struggling. I don't know if I mentioned on the podcast. I'm still struggling with capture card issues and video camera issues on stream, and it's been kind of frustrating. I finally reached out to um, the company I bought my computer from to kind of see if I can get some ideas from them, you know, what what they would suggest and things like that, and we'll see if they say anything. So anyways, all that aside, as I mentioned earlier, brief Final Fantasy VII First Soldier discussion here. Um, I played about 10 hours this week on one night. I, it was maybe not the greatest decision of my life. Uh, it definitely threw my sleep schedule off, and definitely Friday felt like I, I lost the day. <laughs> um, but uh, I was really excited because I, I sat down and played with some friends, and we got into some matches with actual people. And um, as, as I kind of expected, the the kind of, I don't know if the uh, uh, like, uh, approach that I, I assume a lot of people are taking 
was actually happening where like basically people would you know play a game and instead of once they die quit out of a match because there's so few people playing they seem to all wait around until the end of the match and then when they go out they queue up again and that kind of keeps everybody together when there's not enough players right now so um we went ahead and uh and and played you know probably about like three to five hours with um with three people maybe i don't know that might be an over over exaggeration on that we played played a good chunk of time with just just with three people so a full three person team then uh one of my friends left and we did duos for a little while and then they left and i kept going because like i gotta keep going there's like less than a month left left on this game man i gotta get in the first soldier when the getting's good dude so so yeah but um, we're in the last season they finally uh they finally moved it over to the it was really weird because like season four they announced like halfway through the season four that like we're shutting this game down. <laughs> and so it was like this weird in-between season that was like, it was kind of functioning properly, but then it was also kind of, um, they're just kind of giving stuff away at the same time, but it was really bizarre. Unfortunately, the season passed and stuff like that, which is all free, um, in my opinion, for the last season was handled pretty poorly. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, they probably just, you know, kept it simple. You know, they're not making any money from the game at this point, so they can only afford to, to have somebody just coast the game down. But I think they probably should have just gave away free currency for the final season pass to let people kind of do whatever they wanted to do. So uh, they have some tournaments coming up here, though, and I might try to participate in those tournaments just for fun. Although, I mean, it's all just for fun now. You know, like, like when you win the tournament, you get a title in the game that's going to shut down <laughs> in less than a month, right? So. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it shuts down like the first or second week of January. So rest in peace soon. Um, Babylon Falls shutting down in February as well. So gotta, gotta, gotta work more on that game. I did go ahead and start the script for that video because honestly, I felt like when I was thinking about what that Babylon's Fall video was going to be, I, I kind of realized Babylon's Fall is not... It's not that important that the video is about Babylon's Fall. Babylon's Fall is a vehicle for that video. And, um, but, uh, yeah, I think it is, it is more of a vehicle. So like whether I finish it or not, I think is another thing, but I would like to finish it. So, um, that is my goal to try to wrap up that game. So anyways, but yeah, I had some fun first soldier matches, uh, won a couple, but not that many. I was not playing particularly well that night. So, <laughs> um, we played a little bit of apex recently as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, Apex, uh, it was good to go back to Apex to be like, okay, let me play some actual competitive battle royale to some extent. Cause first soldier, it's been, first soldier has been a sad experience to some extent. Cause you're just kind of sitting around waiting to find a game with people and waiting to find somebody to be competitive with. So we'll see. I think I definitely will play some more, but, uh, I, I don't know. I, it's hard to get enthusiasm unless I get into a game and there's like actual people playing. So, so yeah. Um, as I promised last week, we're going to talk a little bit about Sonic Frontiers here. Um, you know, I was really excited for this game. If you don't know, like, what my history is with Sonic, you know, I, I didn't really play Sonic games until the 3D ones initially. Um, and then I kind of went back and started exploring some of the other games. But Sonic Adventure was really my first Sonic game. I did briefly play Sonic 2 at one point. I won't get into the story, but very briefly had a Sonic 2 experience. Um, but Sonic Adventure was kind of the big one. But um, I feel like Sonic Colors was the Sonic game that I played and like really loved a lot on the Wii. And, and since then I've been kind of stuck, um, kind of waiting for the next thing. And I keep buying Sonic games, kind of hoping that they're going to kind of scratch that itch. But I, I feel like maybe a big reason why I never quite ever got around to a lot of those Sonic games was because of the fact that like, 
they probably weren't that different. Um, Boom and Lost Planet or Lost World definitely seemed that interest or seemed a lot more interesting to me. Um, but those games uh, came at a time when I didn't have a lot of money and things like that, so I, I kind of held off on them if I recall correctly because of that. So, anyways, but uh, Sonic Lost World uh, definitely uh, not Sonic Lost World. Uh, Sonic Frontiers is a game I was definitely very optimistic about. Um, when I saw that initial IGN reveal, I know everybody was like really upset at it and stuff, but um, I was really excited about what I saw in that game because I was really looking forward to seeing how Sonic uh, controlled an open world and what kind of an impact that a, a game with Sonic speed would have on open world game design. And, and the reality is it's probably not that different, honestly, in a lot of ways. Um, but the fact that Sonic is so fast, I think solves a lot of my problems with, with open world games. Because personally, I think a lot of my problems with open world games is that the fact that like, there's a lot of downtime. There's a lot of downtime where you don't get a lot of interesting content. There's a lot of downtime where you don't get a lot of interesting rewards either. It feels like a world often filled with filler a lot of times. And that's absolutely true with Sonic Frontiers as well. But the fact that you move so fast in this game, I think kind of glosses over that a little bit. Um, so, so I, I, I was really excited to check this game out. And thankfully, like, I, I think it did the majority of what I wanted, um, this game to do. Cause like Sonic is just really fun to move around that world with. Um, it, it's maybe not as flexible as I was hoping it was. I think I was kind of expecting Sonic to be able, be able to kind of like traverse over mountains a lot easier and things like that. But honestly, I think it probably makes a lot more sense to have a lot more restrictions in place and like how Sonic can move. So early on, especially like it's really hard for Sonic to kind of get out of the areas of the game that they really designate you to kind of traverse. Um, but as you kind of go on um, and you get more speed boosts and things like that, and there's like this way you can like kind of charge up and, and, and get an additional speed boost on top of that. Um, it kind of opens up the world a little bit more where you're able to like kind of run up the sides of mountains a little bit more. It's, def it's definitely not easy, but it can help you get into the spaces where you might have needed to use a different path and things like that. Um, this game is like full of like floating obstacles. If you watch any footage of this game, you're just going to see a bunch of trash that's like floating in the air. And all that trash is basically like, you know, the springs, the loop-de-loops, the 2D side-scrolling sections are basically tiny floating Sonic levels in the world kind of thing. And, um, they feel really good to get into and, uh, and go through. And some of them are definitely like the faster way to get around if possible. So it's, I usually especially early on when I'm first exploring an area, I usually will go through a lot of those little like floating obstacle course and things like that. Um, I honestly prefer it because it's just really exhilarating, you know, the usual Sonic loop-de-loops and, 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 you know, going on rails and things like that. It's really exhilarating to do those little things. The only real problem I have is that it's often really hard to tell where you're going to be going um, once you get out of it. So it's kind of a linear section of, of, of course that you're on. So even though you're in an open world, you're kind of not all the time, but a lot of times you're kind of locked in to this little like, um, uh, uh, like loop de loop section or something like that. And so it creates these situations where you're kind of locked into going whatever direction the game wants you to go, unless you kind of really go out of your way to your way to like forcefully, um, get yourself out of it. But a lot of times when you get into one of those obstacle courses, you don't know where you're going to be spat out. And if you don't know the levels very well, um, you're going to end up just kind of looping around a bunch. I, I, I feel like, um, but thankfully I think early on it's, it's not really a, a, a huge deal. And then if you really need to get to a particular spot, um, you can just simply just like run around the world itself. So it's like, you just basically just go around all the obstacles and things like that. But you do want to use the obstacles because, um, they will give you resources. So when you are going around, 
around um, the world and going through these obstacle courses, you're collecting like um, a bunch of these, like, I don't know if you'd call them like relationship items or something like that. But each each area of the game has like a character from the Sonic universe that you need to collect items for. And then you turn those items in for cutscenes and things like that. And, um, and it kind of the whole game in a lot of ways is kind of based around this flow of like resource collecting and then re- resource spending. Um, there are like is currency for unlocking the cutscenes themselves, like I mentioned with the characters. Um, and those cutscenes, you know, advance the story and bring you to the next part of like, you know, what you need to do. And there's like certain things that are locked behind those cutscenes as well. Um, there are these things called cyberspace zones, which are basically like, in some ways you can think of like Breath of the Wild shrines, but with Sonic levels inside where you go to a place on the map and then it's, there's just basically like a I'd say like two minute Sonic the Hedgehog 3D level kind of thing or sometimes it's a 2D as well and you can just kind of go through there as well and then um you also get currency from those which are like um uh vault keys and things like that well there's other places you can get vault keys as well but those are kind of the main places to get vault keys and those vault keys open up chaos emeralds and then you use those chaos emeralds to go fight the boss so it's like this kind of upward chain that happens of just like resources for for relationship cutscenes resources for cyberspace zones which give you resources for for emeralds and then they get the emeralds give you the ability to go fight the boss and move on to the next area kind of thing um there's also items around the world for like optional upgrades for sonic so you can increase his attack power defense speed um also like the number of rings you can hold but you start out with like 400 rings on normal mode so like there's often most of the time i think it's plenty of rings and you can also like spawn your own rings through like this special move that i completely forgot was even a part of this game because i think it's kind of whatever it's like a little trail you can kind of put behind yourself it's like one of sonic's more distinct moves in this game but honestly i feel like the implementation is kind of whatever it, it, it didn't really jump out to me like an exciting part of the game it's just kind of like the oh i need to do something with this one mechanic all of a sudden that i forgot i had kind of thing so um it's a really simple loop overall with the kind of resource collecting but i think it really works and um i think it's something that uh especially if you just are going to explore the world initially you kind of naturally do already so like i just would kind of like go around the outer edge of this uh the open world and things like that that and just kind of like explore and go up and down and just you know kind of get the the full sense of the world and during that time i pretty much would collect all the resources i need as long as i'm interacting with the obstacles fighting the bosses you know doing the like random little puzzles around the world and things like that however i did find that like really late in the game there definitely seemed to be a heavier grind and maybe maybe this is like my own like disinterest kind of coming at the end where i feel like the first three worlds themselves feel really good to play through but there's like a fourth world at the end that just feels like really extra and and not really necessary um so i think it like overstayed its welcome a little bit but um you know it basically would go through and do that resource loop about four times throughout the whole game um itself so i really enjoyed the cyberspace zones in this game though this is the place where you get like the vault keys um and i think it kind of did something that i've never really done with sonic games before and that's really actually grind out for rank so you know if you ever played a sonic game before you go through the course and at the end you get a ranking that's like c b d or d a s whatever right um and and usually the reward is like a emblem or something like that i always forget what the emblems are for they're first stuff i don't remember what they're for they're probably important but like most of the time it's not important enough for you to just finish the story so i'm just like whatever um, but the fact that this like feeds into the, um, um, you know, the vault keys that let you get the emeralds in this case, and the, due to the short length of them as well, made me really want to grind them. So I had a lot of, a lot of fun times, like really trying to get as many rings as possible, finish the levels as quickly as possible, find all the red rings in the level and things like that. 
Um, and, and so it was really kind of fun grinding those level out to some extent and like really trying to get the best time on it in a way that I usually don't really bother with in a Sonic game. Cause I feel like the rewards for doing so, um, don't really play into like the core game itself. It's more about the extra content at the end. If you're really going to like try to grind out and get as much about out of that game as you possibly can. Um, but I will say that the, uh, cyberspace zones, they are very, bland in some ways they 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 feel like modern 3d sonic levels and they feel good to play i think but they're just not that interesting overall so i feel like the grind itself is like fun enough to get through for those but i wouldn't go out of my way to play every cyberspace zone and because of how that grind works where you can basically get like i think it's like seven vault keys from each one if you if you get all the objectives in it like you don't need to do all of them and i only would do maybe like three or four an entire zone and that was kind of about it i think there's like eight to nine in total maybe and like i at some point they reuse assets and the level design doesn't really change all that much so i i kind of just would lose interest to some extent not really lose interest it just it wasn't important for me to go and find every one of those cyberspace zones because they just didn't feel special enough but again i don't think it's a bad thing i think it was something that that worked really well and and that if you don't have to go find every single one i think it's 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 preferable in that way personally for me so so yeah um, I will say the overworld itself is pretty basic. I don't really mind it so much in this game. Like, like basically when you're going around the world, it's basically just kind of like Rocky Mountains and that's kind of it. All the obstacles in the world feel a little different, but more, more or less it's either a mountain or there's not a mountain or there's a hole that you're going to fall into. One, one of those three things are going to be what you're interacting with in the world. Um, and then, so everything else in between is kind of more about just like the, the environments. There are like in the desert level in particular, there's like some pretty cool areas, like an underground ruins thing and some like canyons that you kind of go through that feel more like traditional Sonic levels in the open world to some extent. Um, but it is, it is most the areas largely feel the same i don't really mind it so much in this game because it is kind of a first attempt at something like this and i think the novelty of sonic himself just moving around the world is good enough but i think for future games especially um i i think that it's something that would um it would be good to have more diversity in the area design the last world in particular more or less just feels like a copy and paste of the first world for the first most part which i think was like part of why i didn't have much enthusiasm for like the last section of the game itself but i mean it was it was easy enough to get through and, and like when you have to do the resource grind for that area it's not that big of a deal everything's easy enough to get but it is just a little more grindy than i'd like it to be and again that whole last section i feel feels a little unnecessary personally so um, I personally would not want another game in this exact format again. I don't think as much as I like this game and for what it is. And I think if you have been waiting for Sonic to do something new going forward in the future, um, this is, this is the game to, to, to check out and play, but I don't think I want to see another Sonic game in this exact style again. I just think that the, the design works well enough for, for this experience, but building on top of that. I think the only thing that would really get me excited is if they really went out of their way to diversify each and every zone in a way that's like, hey, here's a Metropolis thing, right? Like Eggman's Metropolis, something like that, right? And it's an actual city you're going through and making interesting ways to navigate that city and things like that. And and, and like maybe, you know, other, maybe like an, a series of islands or something like that, right? And then Sonic can kind of run across the water and, and that, maybe that level design's a bit different and things like that. Like I could see the world itself 
being um, something that could be an interesting way to kind of iterate on this game as well. I'm not so sure about different characters because I feel like the, the characters that they would use, and, and they actually announced in the DLC they're going to be adding additional playable characters, but didn't give any kind of a real context for it beyond just the fact that they're going to be added. So they don't know if it's going to be CyberZone only playable characters or if it's going to be, they're going to be put on the open world and it's just Sonic's open world or is it going to be new open worlds? I don't know. But I also don't feel like those characters really lend themselves to the open world fashion that I personally was looking for in this game anyways so I kind of was glad they really just focused on Sonic in this case we'll see how they implement them in the DLC I think it comes like maybe 2023 maybe late 2023 honestly I don't think they specifically said that but just looking at their roadmap they laid out the the playable characters were at the end of that 2023 roadmap even though they didn't like date them or anything like that it's like in phases basically so I think it's like phase three or something like that so um I think the thing that I was really kind of blown away by with this game though is that this feels like an open world game that retains all the values of what I view as important for a Sonic game. Um, obviously, I'm not like the most hardcore Sonic fan. So, you know, what everybody's values are going to be, you know, with a franchise like this, right, specifically, that what has been going on for years and years and years, depending on where you start that the series, things like that, you're going to have different values. For me, at least as somebody who like started with adventure and has enjoyed the 2D games that I've played and, and everything, I, I pretty much enjoyed most Sonic adventure games or Sonic games I've played. Maybe the one exception being Sonic and the Black Knight. I, I really tried to enjoy that game and I just couldn't get, get to the point that I was happy with it. Um, but the, uh, I, I think. It, it retains the values that I think are important to Sonic and it does it in an open world sense. Um, and, it, and like when you're playing that game, even though it's open world, it feels like a Sonic game still, um, which I think is something that I really can't say about another game. The game that everyone compares this game to, I just, I mean, I did it my, this myself during this whole segment is I think this game does a better job than like Breath of the Wild in terms of representing the series it's from. Um, I, I mean, I obviously, I think if you've heard me talk about before, I'm not a huge Breath of the Wild fan for a lot of reasons. I think Breath of the Wild does a lot of things really, really good and a lot of things not so great. And a lot of those things that it does not so great are what I think are kind of the tent poles of the Zelda series with the dungeon design, right? Um, reward structure, puzzles, how, 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 how big of an impact that like getting different weapons and stuff has and things like that. All that's really kind of missing or at least is, 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 uh, you know, not as well implemented as previous Zelda games in Breath of the Wild. And so Breath of the Wild is a game that focuses very much on a different, um, a different thing. Uh, Breath of the Wild is a game that's, uh, in my opinion, mostly about experimentation and exploration. Those are kind of the two things, which, which you know, is, is, is not necessarily not a Zelda thing, but it was not really a core focus of Zelda for a very, very long time. Um, but I think that was also kind of intentional in a lot of ways, where I don't think Nintendo wanted to focus too much on the core Zelda values, because the Zelda franchise was not doing so hot by the time Skyward Sword came out. I mean, it was selling good, but it was not selling, you know, the numbers I think Nintendo really wanted it to be selling as it's one of premier franchises, right? And um, and so you might argue that, like, Zelda was never attempting to do that in the first place. So maybe maybe that's I'm wrong in, in saying that I think this game does a lot better job of representing its past franchise in an open world than, than, than Zelda did. But for me, at least, somebody who was like a fan of Zelda, you know, I, I kind of felt like that game didn't do what I wanted to do. And Sonic Sonic Frontiers feels like a game that that kind of delivers on almost every every aspect that I wanted. And the things that I didn't care about for like the combat and things like that, um, I think are things that are not important enough for me to care that much about personally. So 
Um, I think it's a really solid game, though. Again, if you if you've been looking to see, you know, where the Sonic series goes next, I think you, I think Sonic Frontiers is definitely like a must play for you and things like that. Um, or if it, I mean, if it looks a little bland to you, maybe next maybe see what the next iteration is going to be. But I, I think it at least delivers on everything that it promised to be um, in the first place. And I'm glad it really uh, kind of turned out so. Anyways, that's it for my Sonic Frontiers impressions there and, and feelings, final impressions. I don't know if I'll play that DLC. Um, we'll see. I, I, I don't really have a lot of enthusiasm for it. But, you know, if it's going to be like almost a year out, you know, who knows where I'll be um, playing the Xenoblade Chronicles 3 DLC when that comes out at the end of 2023 instead. <laughs> it's probably the real answer, actually. So, so yeah. It's Patreon time. Welcome to the Patreon Zone. Get ready. Um, Paul Daniel. Henry Dagger. Jillian, discreet. Thank you guys so much again for your patience. I know I I, I gypped you on a, a Patreon post last week. I'll get you guys a write-up this week. Um, I'm definitely starting to finalize a lot of my plans for how I plan to handle the channels going forward, or the channel going forward, and then and, 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 and afterwards, the channels. So I'll be giving you guys kind of like a full rundown of my thoughts. Be happy to hear your opinions. Again, if you join the Patreon, though, for $5, typically, not, not so much this time around, but typically, you get bonus videos um, like a Kaminazo playthrough that's happening uh, on there, as well as various unboxings and stuff that I've been doing and things like that. And then uh, 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 revisiting a lot of my old opinions from like a decade ago. I, I had a lot of fun doing article readings, things like that, where I go back and read old articles I did and then just kind of like talk about them and kind of talk about my opinion at the time, what I think I thought certain things at the time. I'm, I'm somebody who's like really self-critical if that's not apparent. And so I think it's like kind of fun to go back and kind of pick my brain of 10 years ago and try to figure out why I was saying the things I was saying, because I think, you know, for, for most people, ideally, you know, if you look back five to 10 years, I think you would like to think you're a better person than before. Right. And I, and while it maybe, you know, it's better if you're just a better person from the start. Um, I think, I think it's, it, most people are flawed. And so being able to recognize, you know, your improvements over the years is like a really fun thing to do and, and, and recognize the flaws you had and, and see what you learned um, from all that and things like that. So anyways, I think it's really fun and really exciting. So, um, but again, right now I'm, uh, I'm going to do a post in, in this next week. That's going to be more just an explainer of how things are going to go starting this new year. Probably going to, probably going to start in January is when we're going to kind of split everything off into different channels and things like that. But Anyways, I'll, I'll do an, a video that actually explains all that stuff too when I when I actually do that process. So you guys will know what's up. I won't just leave you blind when I actually do it. So, so yeah. Um, one thing you can also do if you're a part of the Patreon team team members, one Shulport team members, I guess that's what you're called now, um, is uh, ask me a Patreon question as Jillian has, which Jillian asked. Are there any NPCs you remember fondly? Um, so this is a question that I actually made a list initially, and then I realized, oh. I just made like my favorite characters list of like characters that are not playable in a game. I mean, literally NPC means non-playable character, right? Um, but I, I think the, maybe I'm wrong, but I think the, the, the focus of this question was maybe a little bit more of like less important non-playable characters, like people who aren't just like, you know, really important side characters, something like that, right? I was thinking like Borealis and Xenoblade Chronicles 3 came up and things like that. Um, I, I had something else I was thinking really heavily of as well. The dad and like um, um, uh, Attack of the Friday Monsters, things like that. But I don't think that's what we're really asking. I think we're asking is, who are your favorite like little characters around the world that don't really matter? Um, and interestingly enough, I just got done talking about Breath of the Wild and maybe that's why I was thinking about this, but um, I, I had like... the 
the first character I thought of off the top of my head, which is kind of strange, um, because it's been so long since I've thought about him, is the Mallow Mart guy in a link to the or link Twilight Princess. Sorry, I wrote did I write Link to the Past? No, I put Twilight Princess. Um, the Mallow Mart guy. So basically, if you don't know in Twilight Princess, there's this little kid, I think his name's Mallow can sit being called Malamart and he opens up a store in one of the 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 the, 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 the villages or whatever and then when, if you buy enough stuff from I think um he will have enough money to open up another branch of the store and he'll open up that branch in Hyrule Castle but he doesn't go there he stays in his village and keeps running that store but there's a new NPC at the other store that previously is like kind of a buttoned up kind of guy if you go in the store if I recall correctly I think everything's too expensive for you to be able to buy um because like a hottie hoity-toity hoity-toity shop kind of thing um but then when you go in there it's like some weird carnival thing that when Milo takes over and it's this guy he's just like dancing and to this music that's really ridiculous and he like does a little moonwalk over to the items that you're trying to purchase and things like that and I always uh I always really liked that guy um a lot so i like that guy he was somebody who really stood out to me um i, I don't want to name anyone in particular with this but skyward sword as well um for another zelda game <laughs> um i really like the npcs in the town i forget the, the town's name um uh, loftville or something like that i don't know loftville loftville um but uh, that game, I think, does a really good job with its uh, initial town you start in. Maybe not the actual initial part of it, but they give you a lot of time to come back to that town and learn about a lot of the characters and things like that. And unfortunately, about halfway through the game, that town, I think, goes really underutilized, and I think they kind of drop the ball to some extent. But I feel like Skyward Sword is a game that shows most of its promise by having you constantly coming back to the town and, you know, upgrading, uh, refilling your resources and things like that. And when you go back to the town, also kind of revisiting different characters for different quest lines and things like that. So you get this community that feels like really important to you. I feel like um, that I think by, by, by about halfway through the game, they kind of run out of stuff for you to do there. And I think if they made the game shorter, it would probably would have been a lot better. But anyways, um, so I like a lot of the NPCs in there. I'm not going to name one specific. I can like picture them in my head. I can't remember their names, but I, I do just really, really... Remember enjoying the character dynamics of people in Skyward Sword, and most of those people aren't very important, I will say. Uh, another character that I was also really into a long time ago, or two characters, actually, I think, um, and I don't know their names for the life of me, is um, Ryo and Shenmue. Um, pretty late towards the end of that game, you know, if you don't know, Shenmue is a game about revenge. Your dad's dead. Some dude killed your dad. You're trying to get revenge. And um, everyone's kind of like, hey, Rio, maybe this is not a great idea to go try to get to China and kill your dad's killer. And, you know, assume the end of the story of Shenmue. Shenmue, as long as it was supposed to be, probably not a very complicated story. Um, it's probably going to be about like, hey, revenge is actually bad kind of thing, right? Um, but uh, there's just like moment where you're you're leaving your house and I think your friends show up or maybe they call you. I don't know what it was. Your friends show up and they're just like, hey, man, we don't know what's up with you. We know things have been bad since your dad died. It sucks. But just let us know if you need anything. I'd really appreciate that if you just, like, let us know. And uh, Rio, being the asshole he does, he has never, ever talked to him again after that in the story. But, you know, um, I, I kind of really appreciated that scene of just, like, them sitting him down and being like, dude, we don't know what's up. We don't know what you're going through. But just let us know, man. We're your friends. And I kind of part of me always kind of wish that they would kind of come back in the story a little bit. I don't remember if Shenmue 3 does anything with that. Shenmue 3 does have like phone calls. So you get like these phone cards. So you can call back to home and talk to people at home. And a lot of that's very fan servicey stuff of like, hey, you're going to talk to, you know, uh, I forget his name, Tom. 
Tom with the hot dog stand or whatever. So you call and talk to those people and things like that. I don't remember if those two friends were 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 characters you could call from that. I hope so. I, I would like to dream that was like something that was nice and cute and, 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 and exciting. But I like those two characters a lot. And then last but not least, something more recent actually, actually, uh, Cheer We Go, the ice cream truck, truck man. So Cheer We Go, DS dancing or tri- tri- rhythm game uh very games for girls kind of thing and and kind of the whole story is like hey people are in trouble in a very elite baby fashions kind of thing like we need to go cheer for them to make it better or when you go to cheer in a competition things like that right and then so that's sometimes like the ice cream truck guy will be around he's like i don't have any business and so you're like here we go and then you go and you cheer um for <laughs> for, for him and it brings people in to buy the ice cream and stuff like that we're getting to cheer we go spoilers so if you care about the Cheer We Go spoilers, look at the YouTube line thing and see where we're at. If you're listening to the audio version, I don't know, man. Try your best. I'm going to imagine most of you guys don't care about Cheer We Go spoilers. But but at the end, at the end of the game, the ice cream man just like shows up and he's like, hey, guys, just so you know, I'm actually an alien. And this ice cream chuck, it's my spaceship. And I got to get back home. So... I need you guys to cheer for me because that cheerier is giving me energy to fly my, my, my ice cream truck. And so I need that to go back home or whatever. And so you cheer for him and you do the thing. He's like, Oh, thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. He's still, still ice cream truck man. This entire guy. No, he does not take a mask off. Nothing. He's just ice cream truck man. He's like, thank you guys so much. I'm going to go home now. (laughs) And he just drives off normally. Like nothing of that interaction Seems like an alien encounter. It's just him telling you, guys, I'm an alien. I need energy to get back home. Can you cheer for me? And then he just drives off into the sunset. Like, this is a beautiful scene. So I like him a lot too. So anyways, that's it for the Patreon question. Thank you so much. If you want to ask a Patreon question on uh, Patreon on Monday, Again, you have to be a Patreon member, so $5. Um, but if you ask a Patreon question, or if there will be a Patreon question post that goes up, and you can ask a Patreon question in the comment section of that post. It goes up typically around 3 p.m. Pacific time if you're interested in doing that. A few little news stories here real quick. I don't think we have too much to say, so we'll probably shoot through these uh, uh, pretty quickly. But uh, I think one of these we'll talk a little bit about. And it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier in the podcast, which is Final Fantasy first soldier so anyways kind of um so uh the you know final fantasy 7 is going through kind of its uh, remake era at the moment right so they've got the first game that came out in like part one of the final fantasy 7 remake and they have two more parts but in addition they're doing like a crisis core reboot that has something called ever crisis like a mobile retelling of of the final fantasy 7 story and things like that too and there's the first soldier obviously but that's you know a dead project at this point basically um, but there are other Final Fantasy VII games that have not been remade, and so people are asking about that, and, um, the two games are Dirge of Cerberus and, uh, Before Crisis. Before Crisis being, like, a phone game from back then, like, Nokia phone game kind of thing, right? Um, mo- more advanced than, like, what we had probably around that time, um, because Japanese phones were quite a bit ahead of what the American phone market was, but, um, the, the, uh, Before Crisis, like, kind of like a little phone RPG featuring, I think the Turks is what they're called in Final Fantasy VII. I'm not big in the Final Fantasy VII lore i will say um and and then dirge of cerberus is the third person shooter you probably know that from me talking about it kind of thing and they were asked about if they're going to remake those games and they basically said uh those are not in the plans at this point um and so you know i I don't think it's really too surprising i think before crisis is maybe a little understandable i think before crisis be something that 
um, people would be excited for and having them kind of represent that game in some way or maybe just go to like g mode or something like that right and if i don't know i don't know anything about mobile games from that time so i don't know if g mode is like on a completely different architecture or whatever but g mode has been putting out um old cell phone games on like the nintendo switch and stuff like that and um and i think that's like really cool and if, if they were able to do that i think that'd be a really cool thing for them to do but dirge cerberus is definitely kind of the black sheep of the series um as much as i like dirge cerberus as much as like uh, you know chidemp likes dirge cerberus as well and there's like a speedrunning community you know i think i think you can probably count the dirge cerberus fans you know on a, on a couple of hands maybe maybe you need two people but you know i don't think there's a lot of dirge cerberus fans out there so i don't think there's a lot of excitement for dirge cerberus and i can totally understand why scranch would pass up on it I do appreciate that they are working in Dirge of Cerberus story points into Final Fantasy VII Remake. If you don't know, the DLC for Dirt, for Final Fantasy VII had Deep Ground Soldiers, which we've talked about before. I talked about Deep Ground last week, I'm pretty sure, actually. Um, and and so the fact that those were in there was was a cool thing as a Dirge of Cerberus fan kind of thing. But um, one thing that kind of kept coming up with my friend as we were trying to, we're playing First Soldier and kind of lamenting the loss of it, because we do think it's a really cool game, even though it has a lot of problems and stuff, but like the core concepts are very strong strong and first soldier um as a battle royale game um but uh you know it kind of comes up like what it would be great if like square Enix would relaunch this game on pc if they reworked this game if they tried it again kind of stuff that kind of conversation kind of keeps coming up and i i love final fantasy shooters and probably because i also liked shooters growing up i love final fantasy and i like shooters so put the two worlds together right and i think i just look at you know the, re- the realistic nature of why First Soldier exists in the first place. And I just don't see another Final Fantasy shooter happening anytime soon. I could be wrong. I would love to be wrong. I would love to see another Final Fantasy shooter. But I, I think we're in the unfortunate scenario that like Dirge of Cerberus... I don't really know why Dirge of Cerberus exists, to be honest. I'm okay with it existing. Like, I, I 100% want it to exist. I don't really know exactly why Dirge of Cerberus turned out the way it did in terms of, like, being a third-person shooter, right? Maybe just, like, the the interest in exciting the the Western audience. Final Fantasy VII has a really big impact in the Western audience, right? Um, I don't know what led to the creation of Dirge of Cerberus, honestly. It'd be something that'd be kind of fun to look into. I'm sure if I asked Shadem, he probably would know. If you don't know, Shademp's the guy who's kind of, like, I kind of consider him, like, a Final Fantasy VII lore master, but he's also, like, a Dirge of Cerberus uh, master as well and does a lot of like glitch hunting in there and stuff like that. Very cool guy if you haven't ever looked. Go look at his Final Fantasy 7 stuff. He has like a YouTube channel and um, he writes up like forum posts on livestream.net and stuff like that. Sorry for calling you out, Shadow, but you do cool stuff. <laughs> Anyways, um, but I, I don't really know why Dirge of Cerberus exists, but I think First Soldier exists because Battle Royales were popular for a little bit and while there's probably not a lot of space on PC for Battle Royale competitors at this point, I think on mobile, they were like, we can do this on a budget. We can do the Square Enix mobile thing where we shove something out there for a year, see if it sticks and just get rid of it. But like, it was a big enough phenomenon that we should at least try it. So until we really get back to the point where like, there's a big enough shooter phenomenon that Square Enix would be like, how can we tackle on or like like stick the Final Fantasy name onto this to see if we get some success out of it? I really don't think anyone at Square Enix cares about making a Final Fantasy shooter. I think it would be an entirely business-oriented decision that would have to be made. And, and thankfully, I think Square Enix is a company that largely, despite their dis- final financial decisions and things like that, largely is very um, competent with the games they make and they try to make those games as unique as possible for what they are. Um, I don't think they like to make games that are just, you know, the most sell-worthy game. It's one of those things that, like, 
I'm probably gonna get into this Babylon's Fall video where like Babylon's Fall is not a game that feels like it's one that was like made purely for financial reasons. It's a game that feels very very it had a vision at the very least i can say that much so anyways i think square enix always kind of delivers to some degree on that stuff uh to some extent so anyways but yeah i just don't really see dirt to cerberus or any final fantasy shooter coming back anytime in the near future i would love for it to but personally i just don't see it happening so anyways the new story is just that those aren't planned though i know i just went into a long rant about <laughs> what are my feelings about final fantasy shooters and the likelihood of seeing another one anytime soon but yeah um, another game that was actually pretty exciting is uh, a game called Infinity Nikki. If you don't know, the Nikki series uh, is a series of mobile games that are dress-up based kind of thing. And uh, I played a little bit of the first one. I think it's called Love Nikki. Um, I didn't like really love it, but I think there's been a, quite a few games like Shiny Nikki and things like that. And there's some weird stuff that's happened with that. But but there have been there have been Nikki games. Um, but they finally announced like a console game actually, and it's really kind of bizarre. It's on PC as well, I believe, um, because it's like an open world adventure game. And they, they, they seem to say this game's going to be based around fashion, which, you know, I'm all for it. Put, make an open world adventure game based around fashion. Absolutely. Make that video game. Um, but they put out a trailer and that trailer to me, it reminds me a little of like, like a Black Desert trailer or that, that Korean pop game that the Black Desert developer is working on where it looks like it's maybe just trying to be a little too much. There's like platforming, there's action sequences, there's puzzle solving and things like that. And again, I would love for them to be able to find a way to make this work and have fashion be a big part of that. And like with the world exploration stuff and, and stuff like that, it is open world in a way that, or at least it looks open world in a way that I'm not very excited about. But like, I think like fashion being a gameplay element is always something I'm excited about. So I'm interested to see, but the trailer itself just looked very, um, it looked like they didn't quite, they want it to be kind of everything. And maybe they have the budget to be everything because the Nikki games are huge on mobile. Um, but I, I just don't necessarily know if that game's going to turn out to be something that's going to be really refined in a way that I'm interested. I kind of worry it's going to be a game that doesn't, that has a lot of ideas, but doesn't necessarily commit to any of them in a way that will make a satisfying experience. First trailer only. I just, that was my impression based off of the first one is that it just seems like a game that's trying a little too much and nothing looked like it like was pretty, like it didn't look like anything was refined enough or thought through enough in a way that was, was interesting. So first real trailer. I don't know when they said when this is coming out. Honestly, it might say in the trailer. <laughs> I'm not going to open it up to see. So, um, but yeah, I think it is something that uh, I'm excited to see more for sure, but I'm just a little skeptical of it at this point based off the initial thing they showed. So, and then lastly, this is something that I need to go download. I still have not done it yet. The Fist of the North Star fitness boxing demo is out in Japan. So you can go download that, check that out. Um, you know, it's a game that does not have much of a language barrier at all. So if you are interested in that, definitely go check it out. If you're, you are, I may check that out. I've been meaning to get, um, to play around with fitness boxing a little bit more again. Um, but unfortunately I have not done that. <laughs> so maybe the Fist of the North Star, uh, uh, demo will be, will be one of the, one of the, uh, um, I don't know, things that I do at some point here in the near future. I, th it's kind of a busy time, honestly. I, I don't think it's actually going to happen. So I was going to say, I said I was going to play Summerbringer, but some stuff got in the way. Uh, I'm going to start Summerbringer before Christmas. I'm, I make that guarantee. I guarantee it. Ding, ding. I don't know what that is. I was like making a weird smile with like an okay sign going on like ding, guarantee it. <laughs> so yeah. 
But yeah, that's it for the podcast this week. Thank you guys so much for coming. I appreciate it. Um, like I said, if you have any thoughts about this setup, let me know. Um, I, if you're like Ben, you've been moving your arms around and touching the table a lot. Um, and I do that a lot, but um, I was kind of intentionally doing that to some extent to hear what this would sound like on the uh, microphone. So if it's a noisy episode this week, I apologize that that happened, um, but I just kind of want to kind of test the, the limits. I'm also going to make a little chair noise there real quick just to hear what that sounds like and be like, okay. This chair is my old chair and it's very squeaky. So anyway, so anyways, um, yeah. So uh, this week, the plan is to play some Kirby Tilt and Tumble on stream at 7 p.m. Pacific time on Thursday. So if you want to see me use a GameCube over here, I don't, it's not on screen, I don't think, but use a GameCube to play some Kirby Tilt and Tumble. That is the plan. Is that a smart plan? That's a whole other thing. People have played through Kirby Tilt and Tumble using GameCube before. The crazy thing is playing Yoshi Topsy Turvy, which is like you have to hold the GameCube up by the handle and swing it back and forth with a GameCube controller in your other hand. I'm like, this is this is not the way to appropriately play this game and have a, a reasonable opinion. But it's kind of stupid enough that I would kind of I would kind of want to play it that way. I should probably play it both ways. I've played through Kirby Tilt and Tumble before. I lost my copy at some point. I don't know what happened to it. Um, so we're going to be playing through that again, but it's like a shorter game. I think it's like three hours, something like that. So I think we'll be able to finish it on stream. Um, but we'll be doing that. That's going to be at this little setup here, hopefully. Um, but I actually don't have any of my streaming stuff set up on this PC. So I got to do that at <laughs> some point this week. So if something happens and something goes horribly wrong and I don't set that up, we might do something else. But that'll be the plan. Um, anyways, though, uh, th otherwise, I am going to be making that Patreon post this week. So if you're part of the Patreon, look forward to that on Wednesday. And then, uh, yeah, and then I'll see you guys for the podcast next week as we get closer and closer to the holidays. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for coming. OneControlBoard.com is the website. And I hope you guys have a great week. Bye.